Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Tracy Swedlow, Editor-in-Chief of Interactive TV Today and the producer of the TV of Tomorrow show. And this is Radio ITVT. Today, we are welcoming Adam Winnick, who is the CEO and founder of a company called Sublime, which that's the two B, so that's S, isn't Sam, U-B-B-L-I-M-E. I think I spelled that right, dot com, Sublime. Yes. And I want to say... Hi, Adam. Thanks, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tracy, and, and thanks for making it clear to your audience that uh, this two B's in Sublime. No problem. Uh, it's a dot-com world. You have to emphasize your spelling. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, we um, we no, we did have you at our conference, and we were excited to do that. Uh, and why we we thought it was really interesting to bring you there is because it was a you're, you you started this company that's very commerce focused, uh, and there aren't that many of them out there, you know, who are coming up with innovative concepts about how to translate, how to you know transform the online video, you know, on demand uh, space. And we thought you'd come up with an interesting idea, an interesting hybrid of a number of ideas that might have already been out there, but that you'd come up with your own concept. If you uh, could give us a little short story about, you know, why you created this and how you did, and you know what's the what's the origin of Sublime, if you would. Yeah, no, thanks for that. So, my background, really, really briefly, is is working in the tech space for 15 years. I'm not really from YouTube, uh, but what I've what I've grown to love, the way I've sort of got myself comfortable with, uh, you know, capitalism in general, is the idea of, of, of <laughs> making money by helping other people make money. And my last business was helping small, medium-sized businesses make more money through better customer interactions. I was in a completely different industry, which I won't bore your audience with today, but I was looking at other industries where I thought had similar dynamics where I could help small and medium-sized businesses make more money through better customer interactions, things they're already doing. Uh, and it just so happened that a friend of that's mine... That's not boring. We, we all need that. I'm sorry. That's, I said that's not boring. You know, we all need that out there in the universe. But go ahead. I interrupted you. Yeah. That's no, okay. So I was looking at different industries where I could apply some of the lessons learned from my last company, and the I was struck by I, I always used YouTube as a consumer service, but I didn't really put too much thought and effort behind who was actually creating the content and what that dynamics were there. Living in Los Angeles, even living in Los Angeles, I was a little bit immune to, to some of the things that were happening here. But a friend of mine had a YouTube channel. Uh, it was actually my friend's wife, and. She works really, really hard. I was just blown away by how hard she works. I mean, she pulls a couple of all-nighters a week, even though she's married with a kid, to make videos for, that her audience loves. And mm-hmm. she, gets, she gets paid very well. Uh, most of her income comes in from making branded content. Another word for that is sponsored, uh, advert, sponsored, advertise, sponsored videos. And these sponsored videos sort of are original pieces of art that are really – centered around a brand. And she got paid really well for those, but even though she gets paid well, she's only willing to make one of those a month because she feels like there's still ads, they still interrupt her audience, and they're not necessarily for products she really, really loves. And every time she makes a video like that, she feels like she erodes her trust. Uh, I think she'd feel comfortable making more of those videos if she could make more videos in general. But she's pretty much already running at full capacity making four videos a month. So she's limited, in her mind, to making one sponsored video a month. If she could make eight videos a month, maybe perhaps she'd make two sponsored videos a month. 
and be able to double her income, but she doesn't have that kind of capacity. So she was trying to figure out how do I grow my business, how do I make more money uh, so that I can grow my, grow my business and do it in a way that doesn't erode trust but rather builds trust with my audience. And and so we were sort of just and, – and so this is my sweet spot. I felt like as a, as a business person was looking at you know, how people interact with their customers, in this case it's audiences, what are those interactions, where could those be improved, and where are there opportunities perhaps to force someone to make more money either through a higher price point, uh, through higher capacity utilization. And, and so what I, what I saw happening on YouTube was in the comments section, even on sponsored videos, people were very curious about what L, my, my now co-founder, uh, was saying in, in the, in the, not saying in the video, but actually what was being used in the video, what was in the background. And, and so we started saying, hey, you know, people are really interested in what a content creator's favorite things are. And we use the word favorite things to ca- encapsulate the idea of what people own, what they use, what they want, uh, both on screen and off. And, and so as you start talking about that, you know, you can't use the word favorite things without, start, without thinking about Oprah's favorite things. And, and when we thought about Oprah's favorite things, it sort, of, it sort of became a metaphor for our company. So I, I, I got to know uh, one of the, the lead engineer for a company called Zephyr. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're like the leading content management service for mm-hmm. movie studios and brands on YouTube. Uh, they, they basically help people manage their content. And, and I, I started talking to him about this, and we, we, we started talking. He became a co-founder of the business as well. This is Kevin. And we started talking about Oprah's favorite things and a metaphor for these content creators. And if you think about Oprah, she has a show which makes great content. As much as she's known for her favorite things show, that's not the only thing she does. It's all part of what she does. But she does it once a year on her main channel and then has a magazine year-round to talk about this. She's multi-platform. And mm-hmm. we didn't see people like Elle really being multi-platform, at least in platforms that they felt like were the right were platforms that made that were focused on keeping them on YouTube in a sustainable way. Going from YouTube to traditional Hollywood, yeah, that's multi-platform, but it's really hard to do both at the same time. So we said, hey, for people who want to be on YouTube full-time, how do we help them be multi-platform? And so what we thought is they have a, a quote-unquote stack, product stack for YouTube. YouTube allows them to build audience, to engage audience, to monetize audience around video. But we wanted to do that on another platform. We wanted to do that around product. We wanted a place for them to talk about their favorite things, to share that with their audience, for them to make money from sharing their favorite things, working with brands. So what we did was we built a community for them to talk about their favorite things. Uh, We make it easy for them to work with advertisers so that they, they can capture the value from the things they're talking about. We're also building a marketplace that makes it easy for them to find advertisers with whom they want to work and who want to work with them. Is, is this using, I mean, you know, Yahoo, um, Yahoo. YouTube uses their content ID technology to track other content and monetize that for the copyright owner. How are they tracking behind the scenes when somebody clicks? Uh, and maybe you should explain how they're, they're integrating Sublime into their merch annotations environment and, and how is that being tracked yeah. Not only for supply, so there's a lot of there's a lot of questions in there. How is everybody making yeah. money and how is it being tracked? 
So let's, talk, let's just kind of follow the flow of one creator on Sublime and how the whole thing gets started. So okay. first what a creator will do is they'll get access to our publishing platform. They will list their favorite things. And sometimes we'll pre-populate that with a bunch of lists like music I'm listening to, music I like, things I'm wearing. Uh, you know, if we, we tap into certain memes that YouTube sponsors like Geek Week, so it will be a Geek Week list. Maybe right now it's back-to-school time, so it will be a back-to-school list. And creators will just share their favorite things. Those favorite things will get published to our community on Sublime. So each creator has an account on Sublime where they share their favorite things with their audience. But when they make that, when they publish that site for the very first time, their audience typically doesn't know about it. So now they've got to tell their audience about it. So what they'll do is they'll do a launch video. They'll go to YouTube. They'll make a video about Sublime, about why they're on Sublime, about their favorite things. And then mm-hmm. what they'll do is they'll provide a way to link out to their audience and say, hey, make sure to check out my favorite things. There's two ways to do that. Initially, it started with just a link in the video description, which for a whole host of reasons is not the best place to do it. It's a valuable real estate that uh, doesn't show up everywhere. Uh, you know, If you're watching a mobile device, it's not the first thing you see, all sorts of things like that. What YouTube just allowed us to do is essentially link out through videos, what they call merch annotations. So YouTube's whitelisted about 60 companies uh, for content creators on YouTube to say, hey, link out to my Kickstarter campaign, link out to my uh, T-shirt shop on, on Spreadshirt. So typically it's around things that you either own or licensed merchandise. They can also link out, if they have their own website, they can link out to their own website. They have to say, designate that one site as their Wayne website, and they can't exclusively link out to any other place unless it's whitelisted. Where Sublime is a little different is that Sublime is not a place to recommend your own or licensed merchandise. We're a place to recommend your favorite things, which are, inherent, which are by design, other people's things. They're not your own merchandise. They're not licensed mm-hmm. merchandise. So right. for you to, to let us, uh, so let it's our con, let content creators let content creators link out to our site to do this is a recognition by YouTube that this is a potential place that creators have value to offer their audience in which they can capture some of that value, and so we're really we're the first we're not the, we're not going to be the last. There's no you know YouTube doesn't play favorites, but we're the first to recognize and the first to convince YouTube to say hey maybe they should expand the horizons of this merchant annotation program to say other sites like ours maybe valuable ways for content creators to make money. So that's how people get to Sublime. And then when they get to Sublime, they have, they have the option of registering through a number of different ways, but primarily people register through Google. One of the values of registering through Google is that we track all the, the channels you subscribe to on YouTube. We can get that from the API. So now we can assign audience to their favorite people, whether they're on Sublime today or when they show up. And we make it really easy for these content creators to build their audience on another platform, which is a whole whole hell of a lot easier than building your own website where you're trying to always drive traffic to, where you have to maintain the cost and infrastructure. We're building a platform that the industry can amortize across every single creator with network effects because we're breaking audience to creators. They don't have to do it all by themselves. I joke around. It's kind of like in Hollywood, you know, those movies like uh, uh, Valentine's Day with, you know, they have to get every celebrity to be in it. And you ask, why would they be mm-hmm. there? No one wants to carry a picture by themselves. You know? It's it's a lot of pressure. Sometimes it's nice to just, you know, share the burden with a bunch of other stars. Uh, 
I mean, my mind is racing ahead. I mean, I'm coming up with all kinds of business ideas for which you may probably have already thought about. But I want to go back and sort of track, you know, follow the money. So if somebody's watching on YouTube and they follow and click out to Sublime, um, A, does YouTube get any kind of percentage of cut just for that click-through? Or or probably not because they're getting advertising already. Okay, but once they get – they're not taking cut at all, ever, even if somebody buys something through Sublime? No. Their 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 goal I mean it's their goal is to allow content creators to make more money to support their business. I mean maybe at some point in the future they decide that they want to take a uh, a fee but for linking out. But it's not you know the reality is that YouTube has a lot of ways of making money and right now it needs more ways for its content creators to make money. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, at some point, I, I would assume, maybe I should, maybe not correctly, but that Sublime, my favorite things, would pop up on a YouTube page, you know, that they would po- be populated. Well, so I joked around with our representative that, uh, you know, today's merchant annotations, tomorrow hopefully we're a tab on YouTube. That would be wonderful. It would be wonderful to have an iframe there as well. And But, you know, right. YouTube's got a lot of th- things to do uh, right now. We think it's a um, we have we have a lot of work we have to do, and being a tab on YouTube is a little bit of a distraction for both of us. Uh, the The number one focus for us is help content creators on YouTube capture their audience, engage their audience in a way that doesn't take them a lot of time to do it. Hopefully, an order of magnitude less time than making a whole video. And secondly, and then lastly, making money off that audience. And so, let's follow the money, like you said. So, one of the things that I think. Yeah, we didn't we didn't follow it all the way through. <laughs> yeah, so so let's, let's follow it all the way through. So the you know one of the ways like I said that content creators are making money are these things called sponsored videos, and brands love them. Capital One loves them. Uh, Procter and Gamble loves them. It's the new new thing uh, for brands is sponsored content. Uh, it's cheaper for uh, content creators to make high quality content. Uh, you know, brands are encouraging. Taco Bell encourages this. This is great for engagement. It's great for awareness. It's measured on a CPM basis, right? It's measured on impressions. But what we saw was that there's a whole host of businesses that YouTube's not that effective for. There's $150 billion in, in the U.S. alone spent on direct marketing. These are the people who use Google AdWords. And they, and they use Facebook marketing uh, as well, but Google AdWords is, is a great performance marketing tool for them. And these people want clicks. They want email addresses. They want actions. They want to be measured on a CPA basis. And YouTube isn't great for that. It's just not built for our click-through rates. Merchant annotations is mm-hmm. like the first real attempt to help people click out, but there's a long way for it to go before it's a CPA, performance, a performance tool for direct marketers. So at the end of the day, what we, we want to do is we want to make YouTube more accessible to direct marketers. And when content creators list their favorite things on Sublime, even if they don't have a pre-existing relationship with that brand, that's content that's out there that can be accessed by direct marketers on a CPA basis. So let's say someone lists a, where to, a product and says, this is where you can get it. Essentially, on Sublime, you can do four things. You can enter a contest. You can get the product by going to a retailer's site. You can bookmark the product, or you can comment on a product. All of those things we think are, mo- are monetizable, maybe less so comments. But if you bookmark a product, we can target those people with a deal or giveaway. 
if you click on the Get It button, we can direct traffic to certain places that help you get get email addresses uh, that allow you to retarget people. So instead of maybe sending someone to Amazon, you send them to a retailer site where they can be retargeted across the web. Uh, we also, through contests, allow you to capture email addresses, and we should share them with brands. And we do a really easy And not only that. Don't be, oh. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that because people are already following their favorite people on Sublime, they don't already have to. Sh- they don't have to share their email address. They've already done it. They just have to get permission to let it be shared with a brand, and that's huge. That improves the conversion rate immensely. And then on our emails, our conversion rate is three times what a typical e-commerce company sees. So we can let content creators send email addresses to their audience, send emails to their audience on behalf of brands with deals or promotions. And we see again, we see a three x conversion on on these emails. Well, okay, first of all, one of the things that broadcasters bemoan, and they talked about this actually at our conference, TV of Tomorrow Show, this last June, that you attended and spoke at, that the one information stream that they don't have access to is, you know, like what you get on Amazon or what people buy. What do their viewers buy? You know, they don't know what, uh, and they, they want that information. Okay, fine. Should they have it or not is another story. That's more of a philosophical issue. Uh, but you're definitely building that traffic. You're building that knowledge, and you're also giving your content creators the ability to know, you know, how many, you know, uh, inside their audience bought this product or liked it or bookmarked it or whatever it is. If you're tracking, if they can get those kinds of analytics, I mean, that's gold. That's not only gold to the content creator, but it's gold for the brands that they have relationships with. Whether or not the content creator protects those email addresses and that traffic and that information and monetizes it in a careful way, that's dependent on how smart they are, right? Um, I don't, I don't know what the rules are, um, and that you have with the brands. If the brands are making your relationships with you, or do they make the relationships with the content creators? You know, where is the power? Is there is there a power structure? Is there a rule system? So I, you know, it's it's kind of the wild west. I think, and it's great. You're, I think, you're really disrupting this kind of a market. Uh, I mean, you're creating basically the foundation of uh, a e-commerce environment that probably didn't exist. Um, it has existed in bits and places and on different platforms. So it's it's really fascinating to see the choices that you're making. And uh, yeah, look, we're I'm just first, kind of we're curious. I mean, Pinterest, I think, has the obvious advantage, right? In many ways, they've been doing this kind of favorite things now for a while, and they're a big, huge brand. And but they are not monetizing it the way you are. They're not. I mean, well, maybe they will. Be. I, I would say, I would say they're not. They're, so, so Pinterest is a great example. I mean, we we like to talk about a stack. So in the technology world, everyone talks about their stack, uh, and YouTube has its stack, and we have our stack, and and our stack um, includes community. And and there, yeah, we compete with Pinterest in a way because Pinterest is a place to talk about your favorite things if you want to talk about it there. Um, but what Pinterest has is a as an opportunity for brands to take advantage of that, but not a place for influencers to take advantage of that. So that says that we're in some ways resegmenting the market opportunity for creators on Pinterest to say, hey, if you are a real influential creator on Pinterest. Let's not talk about if you break out a let's think about a pyramid of influence. At the very top are celebrities, at the very bottom are fans, and in the middle are what we call power influencers. 
And if you're a power influencer or just an influencer in general, Pinterest is not necessarily the place for you to make money. Yeah, you can build your brand there, but if you want to make money, Pinterest isn't necessarily thinking, how do I help you do that? All the tools necessary for that. So we're building those tools as well. And there are other tools for you to go do that. So you can go to other marketplaces. There's companies that allow influencers to become part of a, uh, a network that receives uh, offers. So things like uh, affiliate networks. If you sign up, you can get commissions on things. And, and there's a whole list of things you can do. The problem for brands is... Like Amazon. That yeah, the Amazon affiliate program is, is one thing that people can do, right? You can take leverage the Amazon affiliate program. Um, but there's and there's other people that like a company called MyLikes, for instance, that'll let you uh you know, get offers to like, you know, if you post this article, we'll pay you two cents a click. So there's lots of things, lots of marketplaces out there, there's lots of communities out there. I don't think anyone's quite established themselves as the marketplace for influencers yet. And part of it is because it's not necessarily integrated with the community. And I think integrating a community within Marketplace is the key. It provides the ultimate level of transparency to a brand on who you're working with and what the performance is. And for a content creator, it's the same thing. Like, for them to know exactly what's working, what isn't, to get that kind of transparency uh, is also critical. And so that's why we're building both. So I don't look at us as doing – a lot of things we're doing, other people have done in an individual way. We just think it makes sense to provide an integrated solution to these influencers. We'll leverage Pinterest for distribution, but over time we think our own community will, will thrive by itself. All right, I have a quick question to ask from, from a, a topic before, and then I want to ask another question. Uh, I want to follow the money again very quickly. Um, if somebody comes in to buy something – or to bookmark it, whatever it is, the content creator, do they get a cut of that product, uh, like an affiliate environment, and the, the owner of that product gets it? And that, is that you're tracking that environment? Yeah, so it depends. Or we're, it, tracking it. We're, okay. we're tracking it, but it all depends on what the, the deal is with the uh, content creator and the, and the brand. So one thing you mentioned is, like, where do we play in this? Well, we're a marketplace. So we're trying to get it as much out of the way as possible. We just want to facilitate these these relationships and make it easy for brands to work with these influencers and vice versa. How do you make money? Well, we'll take a cut. But we're okay, you are thinking. In the marketplace. Yeah. We're not trying to structure the transactions. We're not, we're not okay. trying to pick favorites. All right, and so is your cut consistent across all your content creators? Like a consistent I mean, percentage? Yeah, so like our, our stated goal is to have a 50% cut of anything that that we originate in our in our own marketplace, but you know we're actually giving most of the create most of the cre- it's so early that most of the creators are we're just letting them keep anything that comes into the system right now because we so really want to make money. So the, yeah, we're even okay, letting I get SCNs, it. all the all the all the creators that belong to these multi-channel networks like Full Screen and Maker, we're actually letting them bring their own opportunities to to their creators on Sublime. So they have creators that are on Sublime. They can use our our same monetization tools, uh, and we're not taking a cut of that. Well, let's think about so multi-channel network. We only want to cut of, okay. kind of things that happen in our own marketplace. Okay. <laughs> I, 
speaking of multi-channel networks or content creators who have a large following, you know, you, you guys are working with Olga K, um, and there's many others out there, but they've been using annotations, which we've been writing about for a long time, but they use annotations to drive more traffic to other videos. And, you know, they use a lot of the videos sometimes at the end to say, go here, do this, check my video out over here. Are you seeing that across the spectrum of your content creators to say at the end of their videos? Because I haven't seen, um, you know, across, you know, all of your your all of your partners, are they using a portion of their video to say, check out my favorite things, you know, in Sublime, go here, you can, you know, see all my likes. Are you seeing that? Is that what's helping to drive traffic? And then jumping to the yeah, Sublime I mean, site? So the merch, the merch annotations help. I mean, there's, there's a lot of pressure on content creators to, to do mentions. And that's why merch annotations are so helpful for us, is it makes it easier for them to just say in videos uh, to, to check out their favorite things on Sublime and not have to do a call-out in the video itself or in the video description. So, does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, I could just, I could see people, uh, you know, saying, you know, click on my Sublime button here or something like that uh, in the video. They could put that in the, and then, you know, driving traffic through the use of your brand. Do you see that happening um, at all, I'm kind of curious about the click-through traffic based on recognition of your brand. If, the, if you're using that to build, well, look, you know, look, I actually personally don't care. I, I, if it makes it easier for content creators to say, "Check out my favorite things," and not mention Sublime, that's fine with me. But content creators, I, I think the ones we're working with, they like our brand. They like what it stands for. And most of our creators are coming in through word of mouth, and that's because they're seeing the Sublime brand, and creators are talking about it. So. Uh, both on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So, uh, yeah, I mean, our brand is, is, is there to help. Uh, and the more that, that we help, we have a brand, the more that more creators will want to work with us, and the more it will make it easier for all creators to have their audience on Sublime where they can monetize them. You know, it's like network talk a little bit? Like, it, it, you think about, like, like OpenTable, right? OpenTable puts people in restaurant seats. It does that because it has a, as a, a online service for people to book reservations. If people want to book reservations that, uh, with, with a service that has access to lots of restaurants, and restaurants want to provide their in, inventory to a service that has lots of customers. Well, to what extent uh, could you know, uh, one of your content creators make a deal, let's say OpenTable, and say, I'm going to promote OpenTable through a Sublime Connection, and you need to make a relationship with Sublime, and, and sort of you're creating like a, a you know a, a new uh, commerce connection that OpenTable never would have had had they not had a uh, you know a, a fan in um, in a what do you, you know in influ as, at an influencer level on a YouTube network where they have access to you know thousands and millions of new well, audiences. To what extent are we seeing that kind of what? There's two ways to slice that one. So, I mean, one is you can have a creator just even recommending OpenTable and saying how much they love it, and OpenTable paying for access to that traffic or access to information about that user, including their email address. Uh, but the other thing you could do is you could have creators just talking about their favorite restaurants, and then OpenTable could be bidding on those links to be able to drive that traffic to OpenTable. This is kind of like what Pinterest is doing with rich pins, right? So mm -hmm. Pinterest could uh, anyone on Pinterest that lists a restaurant or shows an image, 
OpenTable could be on there bidding on the right to drive that traffic through OpenTable to book a reservation. And so that's, that's you know, to use that OpenTable example, I mean, that, those are two ways you can open that. I mean, the big money really is if this gets to, uh, you know, to a, a larger traditional uh, television audience. Are you are you even going in that direction at all? Connected TV, cable TV, bringing you know what YouTube is on all these systems now. So, well, maybe not cable yet. But. Well, I, I, look, I, my view of this thing is like, what is TV going to look like in the future? I mean, you're you're more of an expert on this than I am, Tracy. But I think it's probably a combination of working both, on it. Right? I mean, a lot of these companies that are building on YouTube look at themselves as the cable networks of the future. So they're building brands uh, that. That, have, that resonate with audiences, and and these people are experimenting with uh, how to uh, manage, engage, monetize their audience in new ways because they don't have access to subscription revenue. They don't have access to high CPM rates. So in that sense, it's very disruptive. And so what we think is if we're, we're trying to develop a new way to make money uh, from online video content, but to the extent that traditional content comes online, it makes there's plenty of reason why these brands that exist today should also have should also be on Sublime. I mean, Breaking Bad, the show, could be on Sublime. The characters from Breaking Bad could be on Sublime. Vince Gilligan could be on Sublime today. There's two reasons he's, they're not. One is there's not very much incentive for him to be there because they make a lot of money from subscription revenue and high CPM rates. So they don't have to do this. Um, the second reason is it's not easy for them to do it because it's not a completely immersive online experience where it's one click away. I notice, however, that one thing that you're not doing, and maybe I'm wrong. Us, I should, it, doesn't stop us, yeah. it doesn't stop us from being interested in what you know Walter White is wearing or using, you know, or what books inspired Vince Gilligan, uh, what movies inspired Vince Gilligan to create Breaking Bad. Uh, now you talk a lot about community. Are there more plans in the works to create more, you know, um, opportunities for communities to talk to each other, you know, chat about the, their favorite things, uh, maybe with their influencer during, you know, a show or a scheduled show, perhaps? To what extent do you think that that might be in the future or not? Well, I think we're really in the first inning of, of allowing people to collaborate with their audience, uh, communicate with their audience. I mean, we're right now it's pretty asynchronous. Uh, but there's things we can do to even make it you know, better from an asynchronous perspective. Uh, doing it from a synchronous perspective, you know, that is potentially an opportunity as well. But I think what's important is that we maintain contact. I don't think we're the place to talk about a show, but we are the place to talk about a favorite product, a favorite thing. Well, I've always felt, and I've said it for many years at, at our shows, that you know there is uh, there's a need, uh, or somebody will fill this need, but there's a need for communities who are interested in certain shows to be able to get together. Which we're seeing that with the social TV revolution, but then yep. you know trade and advertise stuff that relates to that show or whatever content you know property they're interested in could be a poem for that matter, but you know. Uh, trade or upload those things or even come up with their own stuff, maybe through Etsy, you know, and then upload that stuff that's related to that show 
and then have somebody who's the moderator or the editor, or in your case, the influencer, to, you know, be in charge of that little group. I mean, I used to work for eGroups, which was now Yahoo yeah. Groups, which was purchased by Yahoo, and I was in charge of managing all of the editorial groups and how they were or- organized. And, and you would see the smallest group to the very largest group, and there always were Malaysians or Portuguese, people speaking Portuguese. But the smallest groups were very, very active. People who had very specific interests, like I, me- I remember this one, uh, conservative women who wear bonnets who like to talk about their computers. Okay, And that always struck me. And the point is, is that there are groups of people who are, you know, rabid fans who want to trade, you know, quilts perhaps in this case or, or you know, iPad covers maybe uh, for these ladies with bonnets, with bonnets on the back. I don't know. But the point is, is there's an opportunity there uh, to allow other people to create their own uh, economy, their own ecosystem, perhaps under the umbrella of somebody who perhaps started it, you know, like an influencer, started to create that community through a, a shared content framework. That's exactly. You follow me? That's, that's, yeah, I mean, 100%. Okay, good. I feel like I've been heard. Uh, well, what else is coming up? You you have that deal that you made with YouTube. Uh, can you talk about that? Have you seen, you know, uh, I mean, it only just happened, right? It only just happened in the last month and a half. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing we see very good click through rates. You know, it's pretty consistent with the click through rates we've seen in the past. I would say the the one thing we haven't fully taken advantage of with merchant annotations, which we'd like to do, uh, is start seeing getting our creators to annotate old videos. So, like, any do a global annotation that says, "Hey, check out my favorite. Make sure to check out my latest and greatest favorite things." On Sublime, which will you know, because a lot of these a lot of these content creators have content that is still being watched. Not all of their views come from their last video, so older videos generate in some cases a lot of the, the traffic as it's continually being shared. And making sure that content creators just don't just, up, just don't just annotate videos when they have a new list, but annotate all videos to to, to persistently drive traffic to Sublime. Uh, is something we're going to be working on, and hopefully uh, you, they'll be able to see that this helps them make more money on on older content. Uh, the, the I believe YouTube said they're going to enable that, right? They're, YouTube said they're going to be enabling that across all videos. Well, they, they you can you can already do global annotations. Yeah. Yeah. So we just have to, we just have to get them to take advantage of it with Sublime. Uh, the other thing is just for us, the name of the game right now is scale. You know, we're building a marketplace that advertisers. You know, when, when eBay started, one person was selling a Beanie Baby. You only need one person to buy it. But advertisers want to buy millions of Beanie Babies. And so we need to have uh, more creators on and more audience to, to truly get the attention of advertisers. Well, I'm, I'm sure th- hopefully this radio show will get out there. We get You'll get downloaded many thousands and thousands of times. So I hope uh, the word gets out. And, uh, well, thanks, Tracy. Uh, appreciate you. You're very supportive of our business, and and we're appreciative of that. No problem. I'm I'm. We're always excited about people who take risks, who have good ideas, and who are smart. And you are doing all of those things, Adam. So congratulations to you. Thank you, Tracy. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, but if there's anything we can criticize, let me know. I'll find it. 
<laughs> I can't be also. I yeah. have to be positive, and uh, you know, I have to observe these things. No, I mean, look, anyway, I, 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 we're not. Like, if you want to just like focus on the challenges of our business, right? We have a there's a little bit of a chicken or egg issue with you know getting advertisers interested before you have scale. So those are things we manage: is identifying the early adopters that are willing to do this before the money's really there. But you know, hopefully, uh, we are able to do that. Um, influencers are busy people, so get, getting them to pay attention even when there's a clear incentive to do that uh, requires some, you know, wrangling. Uh, requires some patience. Uh, you know, making that work at scale uh, is, is something we're doing. I mean, so we're just we're just trying to make it. We think the best way to focus on scale, on scaling it, is to to by identifying the early adopters by working um, with people in a very similar demo. By demonstrating success in that demo uh, with advertisers, we can sort of put a box around some of the key risks and then address those with both business model adjustments and product adjustments and then roll that out across other verticals. So, you know, we have not maybe, demonstrated. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I don't think we've, we haven't completely saturated our demo yet to an extent that we uh that we can grow that we that we can sufficiently point to and say, look, creators are making a ton of money on this right now. We just know that there's a huge opportunity to make money from direct marketers who don't have access to YouTube in an efficient way for them, and that content creators need better ways to make money all right well i'm sure so you'll 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 figure it all out I mean I would suggest maybe using. Photographs. You know how photographs scale so well. Images. Have people take pictures of their favorite places, their favorite friends, well, that's and, what they're doing. and I mean, their favorite not products. Even video. Our site is not video. Our site is all photos. Oh, I know. I, I was amazed how nicely all the products look. How people, you know, cut and paste their photos and make it look so clean and nice. Yeah. That's another conversation. But um, thank you very much. We're actually very out of time. Uh, normally we don't go the full 45, but we're, we have done. So thanks very much, Adam. I'm really appreciative. And I'm sure we'll have you at our conference another time, and you're welcome to uh, announce news. But I hope so. Thanks, Dan. Okay. Thanks, All right, this is, uh No problem. Thank you. And you can reach, you can find Adam's site at sublime.com, which is S-U-B-B-L-I-M-E.com. And look for it on YouTube. This is Tracy Swedlow, Editor-in-Chief of Interactive TV Today and TMRW Corp. Now we're incorporated. And that's it. Thank you so much, everyone. Talk to you very soon. Bye, Adam. Bye. Bye.